in a series about Jesus. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, especially some of us that have grown up in the church, that we believe a lot of things about Jesus, but we really don't know why. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we've heard him basically mouth from our parents, mouth from a pastor, mouth, mouth in Sunday school. But we, for most people, they really not done, have not done a depth, in-depth study of Jesus and what the Bible literally says about him. And so we're doing an in-depth study on Jesus and who he is, you know, what he taught, what he did. Um, and, uh, and the thing about God is, is that there's many facets of God in the Bible. And uh, if you were asked, if you were asked, question, if you could only sum up God with one word, if you could only, if you could only explain or define God by one word, what would it be? I mean, would it be he's holy? Would it be that he's love, God is love? Or, or would it be that he's powerful? Or would it be that he's righteous? Would it be that he's merciful? What would that one word be? And, and, and when you hear the answer, it's quite simple. The one word that sums up exactly who God is, is Jesus. Jesus is everything that God is in the flesh. And we're going to be looking at that today. We're going to be looking at the deity of Jesus because there are people, sects of, if you call it Christianity, or some people go call them cults. There's some people, you know, there's some teachers out there that, uh, that they do not put Jesus equal with God. And uh, we're going to see what actually the Bible says about that, about the deity of Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your mercy. But we, most of all, we thank you for coming in the flesh in the man named Jesus, the everlasting God. And this morning we ask for revelation through God the Holy Spirit that we would have clear understanding of who he is and that he is mighty to save that we would see who we are in him, we that have been saved. And that we, would that be that lighthouse of hope for those that God is wooing and calling to his family. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. The deity of Jesus. You know, as we look at the deity of Jesus, it's going to be quite impossible not to discuss the Trinity. And uh, the Trinity is another one of those areas that uh, people really have a hard time understanding. And the most of the time we have a hard time understanding spiritual things is because we try to do it with carnal thinking. You know, the spiritual realm is quite different from the spiritual, or the spiritual realm is quite different from the natural realm. Realm, and we try to put God into natural a natural box. Um, what's interesting is, as I prepare for this message, technology has actually given us some other examples that to help us understand God. And uh, we're going to look at that a little bit bit today. A little how to understand the Trinity, maybe 
and get more understanding on that. Um, but Jesus is eternal. You know, Jesus didn't show up on December 25th in a manger. Matter of fact, it wasn't December 25th. We don't really know when it was. Most scholars say it was probably in the springtime. But uh, he was not a cre- he's not a created being. Jesus is not a created being. Um, you know, there's some people like the, the Mormons, for instance. They, they, I'm not an expert on Mormonism, but they, t- they teach basically that God had many wives and Jesus was the offspring of one of those wives. I believe that they even teach that, that Lucifer was Jesus' brother. And uh, so it's really goofy. It's um, made up of men's ideas, um, and it really has no biblical standing at all in Scripture. Other sects of, um, of the Christian religion have their own twists on this. And what they do, the end goal is to bring Jesus down, to make Jesus lesser, to make him less than God. It's an antichrist teaching. So today we're going to see what the Word of God has to say about Jesus, that he is an eternal deity, and, the, and we're going to start off in Micah. In, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephra, Bethlehem Ephraim, Eph, yeah. though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come from, from me one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. And that word everlasting is a very interesting Hebrew word, and you know what it means? It means everlasting. It, it, it means all time. Not even all time. It's out, out, outside of time and space. Jesus' going forth is from all time and before time ever existed. He's the everlasting one. He is the everlasting one. Jesus did not have a beginning. He was not created, nor did he have a limited existence. He is from everlasting. In John chapter 1, verse 1, very, should be a very familiar scripture for most of you. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. I mean, what could be clearer than this? Um, one group, the, uh, the Jehovah Witnesses, have trouble with, with this. They have trouble with the deity and, God, and Jesus being equal with God. And so what they do with this scripture in their Bible, they, they add a word. They add a word, and it says the word was a God. They just put an A in there, a little A, to change the meaning of it, that the word became a God. And all it is is trying to separate Jesus from the Father, separate Jesus from the Eternal One, and bring Jesus lower, bring Him down. And, you know, the best way to fix uh, your theological differences and and your own problems that you have with Scripture is to change Scripture. So that's that's pretty handy. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, this is when things start getting interesting about Jesus. Because this is almost unbelievable what God did, what Jesus did. 
In chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. See, in the form of God, that's that proximity again. And in, in that equal with God, that's unity in that relationship. And he took on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That word reputation, it literally means to empty himself. Jesus emptied himself when he became a man. Jesus is the word from everlasting who was made flesh, and he humbled himself by emptying himself and became a servant in the likeness of men. So you have this everlasting one, God, that emptied himself and put on flesh and blood. That's what it means when Jesus says that he emptied himself. That's what it means when it says he made himself of no rep rep reputation. When Jesus contained himself in flesh and blood, he, was he omnipresent? When Jesus was in the flesh and blood body, was he omnipresent? No. He, he, he was in one place at one time, right? The Father and the Spirit, were they omnipresent? Yes. They can be all over at one time. But Jesus has taken on flesh for, for a specific ministry. This is what you have to understand because if you start thinking about the Trinity and you run across other people, even non-believers, they'll, they'll start throwing out things about the Trinity and they'll start thinking about if Jesus was God, then when he died on the cross, did God die? And, and, and it, you, have to, you have to understand, you know, who's running the universe when God died? These are just questions that people throw out. And what do we say when they say that stuff? We have, to we have to understand what the Word of God teaches, all right? I'm sorry. I, I know you're probably expecting three points in a poem today, but uh, I can't rhyme very good. When Jesus contained himself in a flesh and body, he wasn't omnipresent. He was in one place at one time, right? So was G Jesus... Uh, 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 omniscient. Did Jesus know everything? You remember him saying, who touched me? So Jesus, and then another place in Scripture, he says, I do not, speaking of his second coming and setting up the kingdom, he says the son doesn't know, only the father knows. Remember that? So, was Jesus omnipotent in his body, all-powerful? I remember a scripture that says that he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. 
And we're going to look at this more in depth when we um, take a look at Jesus and his relationship with Holy Spirit. But Jesus made himself dependent on the power of the Spirit. This is what you need to understand about what God did, what Jesus did when he lowered himself, when he emptied himself, when he humbled himself, when he became a servant. Jesus operated in the same gifts, the same wisdom that is available to every single believer. Jesus was ministering as God, but like a man in union with God through the Spirit. Do you understand that? He is the representation of what man truly was designed to be like. Completely sinless, completely God, but dependent because he emptied himself. He became one of us. People don't understand this. People look at Jesus and they say, yeah, but that's Jesus. Yes, that is Jesus, but he became just like us. We, for some reason, we think his death on the cross was somewhat less painful if we went through it. Something, some, his temptation that, he, he struck, that came against him was different than ours. I mean, he did have one benefit. He, he, he did not have that sinful nature that, to start off with. He didn't have those habits that we all had until we got born again. He was always constantly in fellowship with the Father. He was always in relation with the Father. But Jesus was a man. You have to understand that. Jesus became a man. Jesus was always God, but he became a man. Jesus is the representation of of what someone walking in righteousness, someone walking spirit-filled can do. Do we have any righteous people here this morning? Do we have any spirit-filled people this morning? And Jesus says, greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. I think we all, even pointing back at me, need to wake up. Jesus emptied himself, he humbled himself, he became a servant for a purpose, to redeem humanity. In John chapter 6, verse 62, it says, What then, if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Where was Jesus before? He was in the heavenly realms, right? Look at what Jesus tells Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 36. It says, Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus was born in the flesh for purpose. 
Jesus has come into the world. If he had to come into the world, where did he come from? From God, from heaven, from his eternal throne. He came from the spiritual realm, from everlasting to everlasting. Jesus came to win a spiritual kingdom back. The kingdom of men's hearts. You understand that? This is what he's talking about where he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus came back to win a spiritual kingdom. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. To, to deliver humanity from the kingdom of darkness. Jesus could not fight a spiritual war with carnal, with natural weapons. Do you understand that? He had to fight with spiritual weapons. But now that he has won the spiritual war, now that he has won the spiritual kingdom, that he is now king of kings and lord of lords, right? He has defeated Satan. He now has a legal right to come back and fight for a physical kingdom, which we see in Revelation, that Jesus will come back when he returns. But the point is to show that Jesus humbled himself and came into the world through flesh for a particular purpose, the redemption of humanity, and to become king. In John chapter 5, verse 39, it says, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. See, Jesus was, as the scriptures were being writing, written, he was. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, he says, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoke. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things that concerning himself. Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. The whole Old Testament is a type and shadow of Jesus. Jesus existed before he was conceived in Mary's womb. I sound weird. No? Jesus was before all things. He was in the Word. He was the Word made flesh. He was from everlasting to everlasting. God in human flesh. Emptying himself and becoming like we are. Limited, contained, baptized with the Holy Spirit, fully identified with our human nature, but at the whole time was sinless. The whole time he had the identity of God in his spirit. And he ministered by the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that is available to us. In John chapter 8, verse 56, it says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. See, when it's not your time to go, God takes care of you. I don't, I, I'd like to see how that went. He just went right through the midst of them. It's pretty cool. So do you remember the burning bush? you remember when God called Moses to go in to um, deliver the Jews from Egypt? And he, Moses asked him, who shall I say sends me? 
And God answered him and says, I am sent you. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, I am. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying. He chose these words on purpose. And we know they understood what he was saying because immediately they took up stones to kill him right in the middle of the temple. I am means I exist. Before Abraham, Jesus is saying, I existed. Jesus is claiming to say, I am the great I am. In John chapter 17, verse 5, it says, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So here we see that Jesus prays to the Father to glorify himself, just like he was before he took on flesh and blood. This was before the world was. And again, this is showing that Jesus had an eternal nature. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor. This is referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is who? The Counselor. Sent, sent to us. He is called Mighty God, which, which, which uh, refer, is, refers to the entire Godhead. Everlasting Father, which refers to God the Father. And Prince of Peace, which speaks of Jesus. A child will be born, which will have all these titles. Why does he have all these titles? Because he is God. He is God. He is the wonderful counselor because he is the spirit of Christ, which is the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit of God. He is the mighty God because he existed from everlasting. He was God and is God. He is the everlasting father because they are one in identity. He is the prince of peace because he came for the redemptive purpose of bringing men back to God. Now we're going to look at a scripture that seems to contradict all this. A couple of scriptures. Two, we're going to look at one scripture that supports this and then another scripture right away that seems to contradict all of this that we just said. In John chapter 10, verse 30, it says, I and my Father are one. Right? In John chapter 14, verse 28, it says, You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. This is a scripture that many people that try to lower Jesus from God will use. See right there from Jesus' own lips, he says that the Father is greater than he is. Right? Have you ever read that? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever in your own thinking, thinking there was a pecking order to the Trinity? That Father, he's the boss man. Jesus is the yes man. And the Holy Spirit, I don't know, he's the spooky man. I don't know what he, he is. Right? Think of it. We got to get this clear in our own heads. So those that argue, 
here are saying, Jesus, Jesus even says that the Father is greater than him. He can't be God if he's lesser than God. But let's think about this a little bit. What have we just seen about Jesus? We have seen that the scriptures say that he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the creator of all things we've seen, right? From last Sunday, we've seen that he created all things, and nothing was made that, was ma that he wasn't made by him, right? We've just seen that he is the I am, and that he and the Father are one. Now, he says that the Father is greater than himself. See, there's a difference, and this is what you have to understand. There's a difference between Jesus' identity and Jesus' ministry. Purpose. He put on flesh and blood. He emptied himself. When he was in that body, he was dependent. He was like us. So again, we think that Jesus was different than he had special tools that we don't have available to us. Again, I think this is why God's going to wipe the tears from our eyes when we get to heaven. Because of all the lies we believe about ourselves. So, just like technology that we have today, I want you to think about this a little bit. And if you're not very technical savvy, this you might... Go right over your head. But I have an iPhone, right? If you want to go to heaven, you got to have an iPhone. All those Android, Android people got to get saved. But anyways, if you got an iPhone, <laughs> that's an old personal thing. But no, I got an iPhone. But I also have an iMac. I have a computer, right? And I have an iPad. And, and all of these things are the same. Because what makes a computer a computer, an iPhone, an iPhone? It's the software that's inside of it, right? If you, if you have an iPhone or you have a computer and it has no software inside of it, you have a brick. You have a piece of junk. It's nothing, right? So I, I have these things, and they have software into them. And they're the same. You know why they're the same? Because of this thing, we don't know where it is or what it is, called the cloud, the cloud connects everything together and makes it one. So I can pull up a PowerPoint on my iPhone or my iPad, the same one that I have on my computer. It's all one. It's all the same, but they're different. But they're different. And they have different purposes. I'm not going to take my computer off my desk and carry it with me around all day. Because that's not the purpose of my computer. But my computer has capable capabilities because of what it is that it's more efficient to do on my computer than it is on my iPhone. But they're all the same because they're all connected. They all have the same software. They have all that same information within them. See, in the same way, Jesus was put into flesh. He is one with the Father through the Spirit. But the flesh he is in was for a particular purpose, and it limited Jesus' capabilities where the Father is connected to the same Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is outside of the flesh and has no limits in capabilities. 
So the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Father is outside the flesh. They're in the spiritual realm. They're not limited. And they have different capabilities than Jesus did when he limited himself, when he humbled himself, when he emptied himself and became a servant. Right? Did that help anybody? Kind of help me. So Jesus humbled himself, he emptied himself, he limited himself to accomplish the ministry of becoming the man to destroy the devil and the grave. Jesus became the man. Jesus is one with the Spirit. The Spirit is one with Jesus. Jesus is one with the Father. The Father is one with Jesus. The Spirit is one with the Father. The Father is one with the Spirit. They are identical in every way, but they have different ministries, or you could say different jobs, or different roles that they play. Crazy. Who would have thought that we'd be able to have multiple devices all connected together without any wires that are all the same but different? See, it's the same with male and female. They're, they're, they're identical in their identity, but they're different in their roles, even though crazy man thinking is saying that we're all the same. But they're different in the roles of play. It's the same in the church. We are all the same. We're all equal in our identity in Christ Jesus, but we have different ministries. We have different roles we play. We're different parts of the body of Christ. You understand that? And it, as Paul says, you don't you can't say of the eye, I have no need of you, or the ear, I don't have no, have no need of you. We need all of us to make up a healthy body in the body of Christ, and we're all equal. We're just different. We have different ministries. Because of the ministry that Jesus had, he submits to the will of God. He submitted to the will of God to the point where he sweated great drops of blood. I don't think any of us have resisted against temptation to that measure. When the last time you think, I just can't handle this temptation, I'm going to give in, just say, am I bleeding yet? I'm not bleeding yet. I guess I haven't resisted as much as Jesus has, too. That's amazing. That's something to think about. Because you believe in a lie. Sin has no power over you. Because you're not under sin. But grace. Because of the ministry of, of Jesus, he submits to the will of God, and he even to the point of bleeding. In John chapter 14, verse 9, it says, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So here we see they have the same identity, but the ministry, is, the ministry of Jesus is proceeding from the Father. They're, they're, they're the same, 
But the authority that he is walking in, the deeds that he is choosing to do, the words that he even says comes from the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you're wondering what God is like, look to Jesus. If you had to, if you had to tell somebody what God is in one word, it's Jesus. It's not this idea of the good cop, bad cop thing that religion has taught us. That comes from thinking that the Father is greater than Jesus. That the Father really wanted to throw you into hell. But Jesus is the nice guy. And Jesus says, don't throw them into hell. I'll take their place. So the wrathful, vengeful, hateful God said, fine, you can take their place. And he poured out all his wrath, all of, all of his punishment, all of his judgment upon Jesus. But he really wanted to do it to you. We don't say it like that, but it's implied. No, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And this was a plan of redeeming humanity from the beginning. It says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And that any wrath, any judgment that was poured out, it was not poured out on Jesus. It was poured out on sin. God never wanted to destroy humanity. God wanted to destroy what was destroying humanity. Sin. Jesus and God is this, are the same. So when you see Jesus moved by compassion, it's God that's moved by compassion. It's the Father that's moved by compassion. When you sh see Jesus showing mercy to the woman that was caught in adultery, it was God that was showing mercy to the woman that was caught in adultery. If, if, when you see forgiveness, the willingness to save, to heal, to rescue, that's what your Father looks like. That's the identity of God. Jesus is the reflection of the true nature of God. Look at verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So who's abiding with us? The Holy Spirit. Is everybody convinced that the Holy Spirit is the one that abides with us? Then let's look at verse 23. And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and he will make, and he, and we, if I can talk, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So, the Spirit's living on us, right? Here it says, if anybody loves, loves Jesus and keeps his word, the Father and him, Jesus, will come and make their home in them. How many is in there? It could be getting a little crowded, couldn't it? We got Jesus in there. We got the Spirit in there. We got the Father in there. What? How? No, no. If you have the Spirit, then you have Jesus. If you have the Spirit, you have the Father. They're one. Just like when you connect to that cloud with your iPhone, you are also connected with your iPad. That connects to the same cloud that your MacBook's connected to that is connected to the same cloud. They're all one. You're all connected. 
It's amazing to think of what you're hooked up to. If you have the Spirit in you, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are making their abode in you, their home in you. And this is that same word that Jesus used when he says, I go away to prepare a place for you. And it's translated mansion. That abode in you is that same word, mansion. Maybe Jesus wasn't going to prepare a uh, mansion that's away from us. Maybe he went to pour his blood out upon the throne, on the mercy seat of God so that we could come into the Holy of Holies and the Holy of Holies could come into us and we could become the mansions of God, the abode of God, the home of God. Maybe we weren't meant to escape, but to reign. Something to think about. You can't divide between them. They are one. But they have different ministries. The Spirit had a ministry. The Son has a ministry. The Father has a ministry. But they, in identity, they are all one. So we got one last verse we're going to look at, then we got a test question for you, okay? Pop, pop quiz. In, in 2 John 1, 9, it says, Whoever transgress and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, Christ does not have God. So what's this saying here? It says that if you transgress and you're not abiding in the doctrine of Christ, then you do not have God. But what happens if you do abide? It says, he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has what? Seems like you would say, has God. No, it says he has the Father and the Son. Who is what? God. See, over and over in Scripture, you see that they are one, but they're different. You see the Trinity played out in Scripture. You see that Jesus is from everlasting. The Holy Spirit is from everlasting. God the Father is from everlasting. They are same in identity, but different in purpose and ministry. Wow, it's crazy. (laughs) So you ready for your test? Who raised Jesus from the dead? Don't answer, just think and don't want you to get it wrong. This is a grace test. You don't have to. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Well, let's, we got the word on it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. So who raised Jesus Christ from the dead? God did. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Who who raised Jesus from the dead? The spirit. Well, let's look. You've got to have three witnesses, right? In John chapter 10, verse 17, it says, Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life. I may take it again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Jesus. Are you confused yet? The three are one. Who writes this? Who, who, who man, what man could write this book? It's, it's, it's amazing. 
The three are one. When one speaks, they are speaking for the three. When one acts, they're acting for the three. There is no difference. They just have different ministries revealed in the redemptive purpose of mankind. Jesus is divine. Jesus is God. And the Father, Son, and Spirit are one in identity, but they have different ministries. Amen? Amen. So did you learn anything this morning? So you think you knew all about Jesus. But we know these things. But we don't know why we know them, I think, a lot of times. And this is just giving us word. This is giving us revelation to understand and have deeper foundation on our faith. And this, this, is, very, this is very important. So we're going to continue on this. Um, next week is Fifth Sunday. Pastor Tom's going to be preaching. Right? So we will com- continue on this um, after that. Um, one of the things we're going to do in the next teaching on this is we're going to look at the historical period. Um, there's a lot of words like a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee? What's a Sadducee? What, what, what was that? Herod. Do you know what Herod is? You know Herod wasn't a person? Herod is, was, a, was a title like Caesar. So, that, so when you read the Gospels, it, there's one Herod, and it talks about another Herod, and, and Herod dies, and then there's another Herod. It's a different Herod. Because it's just a title. And we're going we're gonna to look at these type of things so we can better understand the gospel, so we can better understand the people that Jesus was dealing with at the time, so we can better understand who Jesus is, what he taught, and what he did. Right? Amen. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you are the everlasting one, the three in one, and we dwell in that amazing cloud in the sky. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. We have become one with you. Now, Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, that Spirit of God that dwells in us, that you would teach us to listen, that you would teach us to be led and guided into all truth, that you would take us in the path of righteousness, that you would show us things to come, that the gifts and callings would be manifest in our life, that the power of the Holy Spirit would be manifested in us, that we would start seeing ourselves the way that Jesus was as he walked this earth, that we are filled with all power, that we are filled, we have the same wisdom available to us, we have the same gifts available to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we see that we have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness, we've been delivered from sin, we've been delivered from all the forces of wickedness in heavenly places, and we've been seated with Christ. We've been seated with Christ in heavenly places, and that's the place of authority that we dwell in. And we thank you that your abode, that your mansion is in us and that you live in us and that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amazing. And we thank you that it's all made possible for God, the God that humbled himself, that lowered himself, that emptied himself and took on flesh, and that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And it's by his name we pray.
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.